This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Right now we're at schedule, off-season program, rookie minicamps coming up this week. Chase Brown signed his contract, the only rookie under contract right now. We'll hear more about those over the last over the, over the next few weeks. But I want to talk about the tight end room because everybody knows what happened in the draft. There were zero tight ends picked for the Cincinnati Bengals. They have Irv Smith. We don't know what Irv Smith's going to look like with this offense. I hope he can stay healthy and he's getting a three-year, $25, $26 million deal with another team, or maybe it's in Cincinnati next year. There is a report. There was a report last night from um, a New Orleans uh, reporter. She had said that the Saints put an um, offer out for Foster Moreau, but there's also a few other teams that have a lot of have interest in him too. Things health-wise, Foster's going to know more than the internet maybe are going well for Foster Moreau. And we all hope um, that's the biggest thing right here. The Bengals did have him in for a workout before he went to the Saints. And it wasn't guaranteed that he was going to sign with the Saints. But um, obviously, he went through the physical and they found out everything health-wise. If there is a chance that Foster Moreau is cleared to play this year, which is absolutely crazy and, and optimist, that's awesome news for him. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals, young tight end, Familiar with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Do you bring in Foster Morrell? Maybe. You'd have to feel good about those medicals. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, yeah. you don't want to waste. Not that it's wasting, but, you know, if, if he can't play, that's obviously not. Uh, I guess you could do a future contract, but that becomes dicey a little bit of like, can he do the same thing? I think that they signed Irv Smith right after that news for a reason. And that was going down their list of starting level tight ends. I, I don't think they'll do it. I I feel like it's in the air as a possibility, but probably something. I could be wrong. I just, how's he, I don't understand how he's going to play this year. Like, is this a deal for next year, the year after? where you're just you're getting the rights to him after he's done with his treatment or I have no idea about all this but uh yeah. I I don't think it's super likely I think I think they went in on Irv because Foster was no longer a candidate for them 
Yeah, and I think the biggest thing with the tight end position, we've talked about it before. Um, you know, I think a lot of Bengals fans value value it more than the Cincinnati Bengals do. Um, I, I really do. I hope or for his career, he's still really young and he can he can stay healthy and stay on the field. That would be huge for this offense. And you know, a lot of people kind of see him more as a receiver build, uh, more than a tight end positional player but yeah with Foster Moreau I mean we I, we don't know enough he the, the report was the Saints have an offer on the table there were other teams that have, have interest and he's obviously going to know more than a lot of people and he would only feel good about that if he felt like he could probably play this year uh but yeah just in, this just a tight end they had in this offseason so to be determined on if he plays this year or maybe that's kind of like you mentioned a future contract with another NFL team but I want to get into concerns I know we just talked about the defense. I promise there was a lot of good things happening with this roster, and we talked about the rookie class over the last few pods. But if you were to pinpoint your biggest concern, it can be offense, defense, special teams, where's your concern level and and what's the biggest part of this roster going into 2023? And you don't have to say right tackle. (sighs) It probably is right tackle. Uh, Because on offense – feel good about most positions and you think you may have been able to add some dynamic dynamicism to the running back room and chase Brown. You think Joe Burrow, T Higgins, Jamar chase, all going to be better than last year. If you're thinking of a progression path for them, you're thinking probably you have good depth at wide receiver with a guy on the outside and Trent Irwin, and a guy on the inside and Charlie Jones. You're, Probably feeling good about left tackle. You just paid him to a big deal. Center, right guard, both played really well. I think your two areas of concern on offense would be right tackle because that involves probably a guy switching sides or Hakeem Adeniji or Cody Ford starting or Lyle Collins, but I assume Collins won't be healthy week one. I mean, that's also a scenario, I guess. And maybe a little bit left guard just because that was kind of the weak link last year, although he played at a fine level for a rookie. Um, You're hoping for better play. I don't think that's a super concern. That's just like a, in my mind, you're facing the Chiefs and Chris Jones or somebody like that. That becomes a little bit of a concern there. But tight end is also a concern, I guess, especially with Irv Smith's health. It's more than likely you will have a game this year that Drew Sample starts. And that bought, did you just figure that out? Because Irv Smith has a huge injury history. Can we just like uh, maybe add another, I don't know, an eligible offensive lineman out there and just, and just you know, maybe we just sit that out. Maybe no tight end for that moment, that play. I just, I don't know how I feel about it. No offense to Drew Sample, but, you know, he is coming off an injury, but he also, he is a, Tight end that went to a Super Bowl. Super Bowl tight end, Drew Sample. Uh, yeah, I. it's more than likely he's going to start a game this year. You're hoping it's not too many of them, but I'm not sure when the last time Irv Smith has played a, a full season is. That's not to disparage Irv. I hope, it's, I hope it's this year. I hope he plays 17 games in the regular season or 16 and they rest their starters in the last week and whatever, and then he plays every playoff game. But when I'm looking at how the seasons have gone for him, it's more than likely Drew Sample's going to start at least a game. And how concerned are you with that? To me, I'm not that concerned just because I remember last year when Mitch Wilcox and Devin Asiasi were starting games and they were still winning and didn't really seem like the offense took much of a hit. 
I'm, I just remember, I want to say it was the Falcons game or the Panthers game when Joe had Asiasi open for a touchdown and he just wasn't anywhere. He didn't get the ball. He was right there. It was a walk-off. It was right to the end zone and, and he just let it fall to the ground. So I don't really believe in him too much. Um, Asiasi is the main thing I remember not to kill him. Well, two things. One good, one bad. I remember the okay. good thing was he absolutely destroys Josh Uchi on a on a run block. He was a fairly good run blocker. And the other one, he didn't go out on a route on an RPO, and it turned into Joe Burrow uh, like a quarterback ISO play. That was not how they drew that one up. And you probably don't want him running between the tackles too much. Uh, but that was because Asiasi didn't go out on a route. He just started blocking. Um, so you're hoping none of that happens this season. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's possible Drew Sample starts a game, and what does that mean? Probably means you're going to leave that tight end to block more often because he's not really yeah. much of a receiving threat, but he can add value as a as a blocker, run blocker or pass blocker. I don't want to say he's, like, a high-end, like, very high-end blocker, but he's he gives you probably plus value there. It's just not plus-plus George Kittle, Mercedes Lewis-type dominant run blocking with good pass blocking like it's more so he's gonna do the best probably out of anybody on the roster at blocking from the tight end position so maybe you build a little bit of a game plan that involves that more than the tight end being a dynamic receiver I still think they bring and and you can correct me if I'm wrong uh Mitch Wilcox back I think that would be fine to get I think so too With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, you know, pretty much team-friendly deal uh, to have him back. And and if you need him for a few reps out there, that's fine too. But look, they have the receivers to do it. I, it's it's crazy to it's crazy to to not like. I, I think about Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. You know, what's Charlie Jones going to look like for them as their fourth receiver? Um, I, when I think of concerns, I I think it's easy for me to point at the offensive line. It's obviously been a concern for five to six to seven years now. When we talk about this Cincinnati Bengals team, I think it would be awesome if they were if if Jonah Williams can just be even if it's a little bit below average at right tackle to have that for Joe Burrow for once to your four would, for him. That would be the best right tackle that Joe Burrow has um, ever had. A little bit below average. Well, I've said it before. I think that they were a Riley Reef away from a Super Bowl uh, versus the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, if you have a, it's absolutely insane to think about what Joe took to the Super Bowl when it was his offensive line. Yeah. If you watch those player introductions, you're like, oh my goodness, those were the guys protecting him. Uh, kind of, not really. Uh, it was. It's 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 wild to think about even last year. And I know a lot of people, it's easy to joke about the offensive line in Cincinnati and, and what it looks like against some of the AFC North talent on the defensive line. Yeah, it's strong. It's, it's difficult. But last year, they really were getting into a groove. And if Orlando Brown can, you know, help Cordell Volson on the left side, um, you know, 
hopefully Ted Karras can just stay healthy at the center position because the backup stuff terrifies me. Uh, and then you look over at right guard, Alex Kappa. I really enjoyed what he was able to do. It was really unfortunate to get that injury so late in regular season. And if he would have been available in the Kansas City Chiefs game, what that could have looked like. And then Jonah Williams. It really just feels like Jonah Williams is going to be the right tackle to start. Um, they'll obviously have that competition. It's his job to lose for me personally, I feel that way. Uh, Jackson Carmen's going to compete for it. And then for Lyle Collins, I think it's smart to do this. You can tell me if I'm wrong. I know he, he, it's still a little bit of a price tag, but put him on the pup and you'll have that depth and, and you don't rush Lyle back to the offensive line. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know what, uh, what are you doing with the money? If you get rid of Collins, it's, it's not that cheap when you look at, He's making starting right tackle money because right tackles mm -hmm. just aren't paid like left tackles. But if you don't really have a plan with the money, I've said this a lot about Joe Mixon, I'm not cutting guys just to save money. I'm cutting guys if I need that money. So if you need the money because everybody's extending, then sure, I guess you could let him go uh, if he passes a physical. But if you're not going to, if the extension talks have stalled on at least like one of the three big ones, you're probably fine keeping everybody on the team without having anybody take a pay cut. Um, I would say pup is most likely for Collins to start the year. Cause he's probably not gonna be ready in the first few weeks. It's not just probably going to be week one that he misses. Here is a fun one for you. Okay. Who is the right tackle starter? Not week one, but like week 12. Oh, no. I'm here's what's going to flip. This is going to flip the fan base upside down. Jonah Williams. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here's where it gets even. Here's where it gets fun, because I think if Jonah Williams is performing on the offensive line and we don't even hear about him because he's protecting Joe Burrow, this is a win win for, for the fan base. And let me ask you this. I know Jackson Carmen's still on the roster, and I have no clue what they're going to do with Jackson Carmen. But look, the more offensive line on on in this room, the better for me personally. What if Jonah Williams has a better season at right tackle than we've ever seen him at left tackle, and he has a great season this year for the Cincinnati Bengals? And he deserves all the flowers in the world. And, and I he's hope gone. he and I hope he does great with um, I don't know the Raiders. <laughs> gone he's gone you're that'd not be a right tackle move well if he does that well at right tackle he's probably getting signed as a right tackle <laughs> that's what i mean like what if he performs really well and he's like you know what you know what if he that performs really well he probably makes the same money he would have made at left tackle when you look at like the mclinchy contract and yeah. those type of guys city chiefs a team would probably buy in that he could be their right tackle so i think yeah. that is the best way for him to recoup value is to perform at a pretty high level at right tackle and just let a team buy in on it. Um, it could be a lot of different teams that could do that because right tackle is weak. It It's weak around the NFL. It, it's why edge rushers like running, rushing from that side. But yeah, that's, um, that is far from a nightmare scenario. My nightmare scenario is that you are trying out like Cody Ford by week seven because nobody else has worked out. And you're like, all right, Cody Ford shot. And you're just like hoping Collins is back to where he was last year. Like That's the real bad scenario. If Jonah's playing great, awesome. That's great. I hope he's healthy all year. 
Oh, that would be a nightmare. I don't want to think about it like that. Uh, I, I really do. I hope it's Jonah Williams. I hope he for, performs well. And, and maybe it's his last year. Well, it's more than likely going to be probably a 90% chance this is his what last is, year. What is the case that he gets kept? Because I'm at like 95% chance it's his last year. I am at an, I'm very high that he's gone just because of how everything kind of went down with Orlando Brown and not yeah. that you know, they, they bring in a left tackle, they didn't tell him and it all happened. And then they move him over to right tackle. He was kind of hurt by it. Relationship mended, maybe. And maybe he's like, you know what? I like this right tackle stuff. But at the same time, where the Bengals want to save money is probably, I mean, the offensive lines, they're expensive. So yeah. you probably don't want to shell out a whole bunch of money since you got your left tackle over here and you're still cheap at left guard. And then you have Alex Kappa for another. How many more years of Alex Kappa be after the season? Two, one, two. One or two. Correct us if, you're wrong, if I'm wrong. I, I just don't have it up. Uh, but you would have him for another season after that. And then Ted Karras. I mean, you really do got to think about that center position too. But the offensive line would be would be good maybe 2024 too. Um, but yeah, I just the Jonah Williams experiment is going to be. Tell me if I'm wrong, because I said one or two. <laughs> one or two. Alice Cap is signed through 2025. We love it. We love it. Mm -hmm. And if Alex Cap keeps performing like he did last year, then that's fantastic Wonderful. for this offense line. And then and then hopefully Cordell Wilson takes a jump. I think that's mm -hmm. another huge thing. We, I, I've already talked about the Orlando thing and being next to Orlando, what that's going to mean, and Ted Karras. But I just think for Cordell to step up, that would be huge for the future of this offensive line. Um, you want this guy. You want to be cheap. You want to have a guy in year two, year three, to be able to perform at the guard position because those interior spots, they're pretty expensive. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, Jonah Williams. I'm very optimistic that he is the starter in September and hopefully he can stay healthy and get a big payday for another team at the end of the year. Yeah. You've talked uh, to me out any possibility of a return. The Titans, they could use a right tackle. I'm sure. Uh, so yeah, Jonah Williams to me, it's either, and this is a scenario I'm hoping for. He plays himself out of the Bengals market. They're not willing to pay that much yeah. for the right tackle or he doesn't play well enough to get another deal with the Bengals. Like those are the two ideas, right? The only way I could see him coming back is almost like the Jesse Bates thing last year, where we were pretty certain Jesse Bates was leaving, but, and I guess this is more likely than Bates because Bates was a second team all pro. And he had, I thought, I think the NFL thought pretty highly of him for Jonah. I'm not sure they do. Uh, I think that if he performs, okay, like not great, mm -hmm. not bad, but enough that the NFL doesn't really care that much. He tests the market and it's just not giving him what he wants. And Cincinnati's like, we'll bring you back another year. I think that's the way he could come back. I don't think it's likely though. No, it's but they're probably looking like for a stopgap right tackle, I think, next year. Well, I think I agree. Uh, but I also think you bring up a good point. I hope Jonah Williams plays himself out of the out of mm -hmm. the Cincinnati Bengals market. I truly do. That is a great thing for Joe Burrow in this offense because if Joe Burrow has time, it's going to be really fun to watch if everybody can can stay healthy. Obviously, that's going to be the the biggest concern going into those December and January games. But uh, but yeah, 
that was kind of fun. There was plenty to talk about schedule, offense, defense, some of the concerns. Um, I do want to get into more of what the offseason looks like for Joe Burrow, kind of expectations for him in year four, but we'll have more of those over the month of May and be working on a few guests to join us on. It's always game day in Cincinnati. I've talked about it before in the second segment when you talked about Jordan Battle. You have a great piece on all Bengals. Make sure people check that out. Do you have anything else that's going to be coming up over the next few weeks? Well, next few weeks, yes. Uh, but by the end of the week, there should be a Charles Sizzle uh, Chuck Sizzle article up. Um, intriguing guy. Intriguing prospect. I can't wait to read it, and Bengals fans should, too. Make sure you're following along over on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.